Hello friends, it's your girl Siobhan, owner of Sweet Immunity, and you are listening to Healing in Doses, a place where we share all types of healing magic one spoonful at a time. As we navigate our healing journey, I want to take a quick look at some of the most effective and supportive herbs for summertime stress. Yes, summertime stress is a thing, a powerful thing at that. The increase of stress, particularly during the summer months, is being studied by various groups, including the American Psychiatric Association, the World Health Organization, among many others. The rise in temperatures is being correlated to a rise in anxiety, depression, and even suicide, debunking that long-held theory that these ailments occur mostly in the winter months of cold and darkness. In a 2018 poll conducted by the APA, results showed 40% of Americans reporting to be more anxious in 2018 than they were in 2017. And this percentage, as you could imagine, continues to rise. Now, what could be causing the increase? Well, a few things. For one, rising temperatures make many uncomfortable, elevating latent irritability and agitation, making the slight imposition, slight agitation, a cause for outrage. For those of you that live in major cities, we see this externally as a rise in crime, particularly a rise in violence. However, the effects internally in our own psyche and our own mind are being discovered as well, which you can see a magical connection between those two in and of itself. Now, in addition to those rising temperatures making folks uncomfortable, we live in a society that hasn't fully embraced the beauty of body positivity. So it seems like the perfect time to be out, bare-skinned, naked, can only perpetuate dormant insecurities for those who are not as comfortable with their bodies and all the goodness that they bring. Lastly, in a similar fashion to the way we romanticize the holiday season, there's definitely some romanticizing of the summertime as being fun and exuberant and full of life and notably that everybody is on vacation all the time. Now that That ideology doesn't translate for someone who's engaging in a rough commute during a heat wave or navigating a blackout, depending on where you live, particularly New York, working through any normal human interaction like a breakup or a loss or simple feelings of agitation if you live in more remote or rural areas. However, my darlings, the earth provides There are countless plant-based options to help mitigate stress, to reduce the symptoms of anxiety, increase and elevate mood, tackle mild depression as you work through these things in a more allopathic way or even in a total holistic way. Many plants can be used as a sustainable building tonic to help you resist the impact of stress in the long term versus more reactionary methods that you can take to recenter yourself in real time. So in the next segment, I'll review a few of my favorites, their origins, some energy properties, preferred methods of use, so that you can arm yourself against stress and help reduce the impact of stress and anxiety on your body, on your daily lives, and make it through the summertime intact.
talked about some of the reasons why individuals would get stressed or get anxious or start losing their shit in the summertime. And we're actually talking about three different things when we use the term stress, depression, and anxiety. The beautiful thing about the plant community is that many of the herbs, and when I say plant community, I mean herbs, I mean plants, I mean trees, I mean roots, I mean berries, I mean flowers. When we look at plant medicine and the herbal community, many of the medicines are multifunctional, right? It is as if the earth knew that if you got one, you may have the other, or one may trigger the other, and therefore, let's give these plants a bit more complexity to tackle whatever is actually happening in our internal system. But when you are looking at these from a very linear point of view, they are three different areas of focus. When we talk about stress, stress is actually a normal response of the body. The body is built to go through stress, right? We have a parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system that are there to respond to stress. It is there as a mechanism to detonate a series of events in the body to ensure that we are able to combat stress in that moment, that we have the appropriate physiological response, and that we are able to make the correct movements for whatever emotional or physical trigger that's present. However, when that stress response is deregulated or out of balance or inflamed in some way, it can perpetuate itself in different types of ailments or abnormalities. So when we get into the areas of depression or anxiety, they represent areas of imbalance due to our body's stress response. And they're almost, not entirely, they're almost opposite sides of the same spectrum. Something is off with the stress response. So from the cases of depression, and and my family, there is definitely a history of depression and anxiety, actually. Depression for sufferers and kind of common attributes of depression has to do with lethargy, has to do with mood and a feeling of, at times, a feeling of hopelessness or a lack of faith, a lack of motivation and the energy to rise to the occasion, whatever that occasion may be. A perpetual state of sadness, a perpetual um, cloud of, of and, and feelings of weight, really, and feeling very weighted, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally. The counter side to that, for some, is anxiety. Anxiety is kind of the upper level of a stress imbalance. A person's stress response is now hyperactive. So the triggers can be present in even the most subtle of shifts in a day, uh, subtle of interactions with other human beings. And now this person has an inability to relax in that particular area. To the point where some anxiety sufferers go as so far as to experience panic attacks and the feelings of panic. That stress response cannot scale itself back and modulate appropriately, so that person resumes kind of their normal function. And so if you look at anxiety and depression in this oversimplification, right? So for those of you who are sufferers, I acknowledge that this is an oversimplification of those particular uh, mental states. If you look at them in that uh, framework, the types of herbs or medicines available 
can become clearer in terms of which plant is going to be the right plant for you at a given time. The conditions themselves actually have very similar um, attributes uh, for the for the most part outside of the kind of the lethargy and the downward energy versus anxiety having this more upward energy. If you are a student of Chinese medicine, we're talking more of that heavy yin energy with depressive with a depressive state and that hyperactive upper yang energy and that heightened state of awareness. Sometimes they have attributes that uh, coexist uh, with each other and integrate with each other. So both anxiety sufferers and those who suffer from depression often suffer from insomnia. Both types of mental states can result in gastrointestinal issues or irregularities in the system. They both can affect appetite and how food is received and if food intake is at a higher or lower state. So there definitely are similarities into how you may experience these particular ailments. However, when you think about it again in an oversimplified term, we're talking about that downward energy, that energy of feeling weighted and a lack of groundedness, or or excuse me, weighted and a super uh, level of groundedness versus the opposite, which is a lack of groundedness and a higher, high octane, high energy state. And these two, um, these two kind of areas of focus both represent an imbalance in our stress response. So the following herbs that we'll talk about really highlight that. How do we modulate the stress response, whether in real time and or as a long-term building tonic in and of itself? Now you will hear me say this time and time again, plants are powerful, plants are powerful, plants are powerful, plants are powerful. So if you do not know which category you feel you fall into, or maybe a little bit of both, if you are experiencing signs and symptoms of depression, or you are experiencing signs and symptoms of anxiety, do your research and talk to your doctor. Ensure that you get your physical, discuss these signs and symptoms with your primary care physician. The doctor is not scary. A lot of the times they are able to help us diagnose really elusive disorders so that we can uh, th- that we can manage them in a holistic way, right? And herbal medicine is a part of that holistic pathway. So please be sure that if you are experiencing these conditions, that you talk to your doctor and get some medical support. And of course, if you are a fan of Eastern medicine, a fan of herbology, please see a a licensed, certified, naturopathic doctor, homeopathic doctor, doctor of um, traditional Chinese medicine, of Ayurvedic medicine, in conjunction with your primary care physician, so that you're receiving the most holistic diagnosis possible. Right? Want to make sure that you are safe because. Plants are not for play, okay? These plants have very serious, um, um, I don't want to call them side effects, but they are contraindicated for certain conditions as well as they are indicated as powerful medicines um, for many integrated conditions throughout the body. So um, they work and for some of us, they can be harmful 
or worse, they can literally do nothing because we haven't chosen the right type of medicine for our body. So you want to make sure that you do your research, especially with conditions like anxiety and depression. Um, The plants that I will speak about are supportive and they're helpful, but that may not be the only solution for you. So I'll don't abandon your doctors and don't abandon any care that is working. Um, we want to make sure that we have a 360 approach to health. And that includes integrating the Eastern and the Western together like one big family. Okay, I'm going to say that first. Secondly, for my mamas out there, if you are pregnant or if you are breastfeeding, these herbs are contraindicated for you, meaning that you will not be able to set one little pinky on these herbs during your pregnancy or while you are lactating. Think of these as the herbs you can use post that the early stage of your maternal experience, okay? Again, want to keep you safe and want to keep your little baby safe. These herbs are specifically geared towards the adult and the physiological um, response of adults, and we don't want that to um, be seeped into your breast milk at any time. So you want to make sure that you are not utilizing these herbs through your pregnancy or during the lactation phase. Save this episode for when you are ready to begin um, your own personal rebuilding stage uh, with herbs of this magnitude. Okay, want to make sure we put that out there too. All right, let's get into the plants. So for those of you who know me, you know that I love a particular classification of herbs, one that is quite suited for this conversation of stress and anxiety and depression during the summertime. Um, And those herbs are our adaptogens. Adaptogens are not a particular group of plants. They are a classification. It's a classification really given to plants that do a particular activity or a function. And that is the ability to support and nourish our bodies, particularly our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, enabling our bodies to properly respond to stress in real time. When we take in herbs that are adaptogenic, we enable ourselves to adapt to the stressors that come from um, that come from our emotion, emotional triggers, physical triggers, mental triggers, even spiritual triggers, depending on um, your connection to spirit and, and spirit in your community. So when we are confronted with stress, our bodies take on a response, right? And we talked about that. The overactive response or the underactive response is what we see when we look at anxiety versus depression. And adaptogens help modulate those responses so that they are healthy, enabling our organs and our systems to essentially snap back after that trigger has dissipated. When that trigger is gone and we are still in an underutilization or in an or in an overutilization of our stress response, that's when we start running into problems. So adaptogens are what we can take in t- inside of our bodies, knowing that we are that we are working with a system that may be overworked or underworked, and we can help our bodies reach a homeostasis with these types of herbal solutions that the earth has provided for us. Now, one thing I find fascinating about adaptogens is we are essentially ingesting the very mechanism that that plant uses to survive. Adaptogens are, it's a fancy word of modern times, but these plants have existed 
for almost 6,000 years, depending on the plant that we are speaking about. And the reason for their existence is the exact reason why we take them. They are, they are able to survive even the harshest conditions. And many of them grow in conditions where other plants would not be able to thrive. So they're strong, they're hardy, they are resilient. And that's exactly what we are ingesting when we use these herbs, whether it's as a tea, a tincture, or as a powdered capsule. The four herbs that I'm going to talk about, um, actually a good <laughs> three out of them come from the exact same region or similar regions uh, of each other. And that again should show you there's a, there's a similarity in the region that they are pulled from in the schools of medicine that they uh, flow into, particularly Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine. And also their effects a lot of the time are cross-functional, but the herbs that I will speak over are really classified into two areas. We have the calming and long-term sustainability. So when we're talking for those who are predominantly anxiety sufferers, those uh, adaptogens are for you. And when we're looking at the energizing or stimulating adaptogenic herbs, those are more aligned for individuals suffering from depression or an underutilization of their stress response. So let's take a look at the first group of herbs that are your calming and what I call long-term calming sustainable adaptogens. First and foremost, you've heard me talk about this herb before, ashwagandha. It is so amazing. Um, this herb sometimes is called Indian ginseng because it's very similar to um, Asian ginseng in terms of, of the potency and vibrancy, particularly in men. Um, but we'll talk about Asian ginseng in a second. Um, this herb is particularly um, being, it's, it's being studied currently, and, and there are many studies that have already been out, many medical studies that have already been out, um, not just studies by herbalists and, and its long-term usage in Ayurvedic medicine, uh, but it is being studied particularly for its effects on anxiety, long-term nervous system support, its ability to modulate and regulate sleep. Studies have already shown that it reduces cortisol level, right? Cortisol is that nasty thing that makes you fat sometimes. <laughs> it is the output of a stress response, right? So when individuals are talking about chronic weight gain and weight gain that they just can't lose, a lot of it is being produced by uh, the uh, cortisol that is just pumping through our bodies. Again, preparing us for battle, preparing us to react to a particular stress and it ain't going away. So when we get those cortisol levels in check, not only do we see a change in our ability to handle stress, but some of us um, will see a change in our weight as well. And so if you are, are struggling with that, you know, think about, along with dietary changes and living a healthy lifestyle, think about your stress. And think about if you are ingesting things that can help you modulate that, like ashwagandha. And also, of course, improved adrenal function. Now, this is one of those herbs that's building, right? It doesn't take long. You're not going to have to take it for an entire year to see an effect. But it is something that you would have to take daily, right? It is a tonic. Tonics are building. So it's helping to break down. <clears throat> excuse me. It's helping to break down the effects of the stress in your body, of the anxiety and those symptoms, but also building you back up so that those symptoms and signs are mitigated or reduced, right? So it is is something that we, we encourage as herbalists for you to take over time. 
right? It derives uh, from India. Again, it's a cornerstone of Ayurvedic medicine. The energetic properties are warming and calming. So it falls into the anxiety category because it brings down that energy. It brings that yang down to a regulated state and it is warming and nourishing to the body and the body systems. Now you can take throughout the day, right? Certain capsules will uh, ask you to take it twice a day. There are tinctures, right? Those are the herbs extracted using an alcohol or a glycerin that uh, can be taken throughout the day as well. It's a concentrated form. If you are looking particularly for night support, if your anxiety is leading you to have trouble sleeping, taking ashwagandha near kind of the five o'clock to six o'clock to seven o'clock, uh, 7 p.m., that those p.m. times before you go to bed, that is the best use of that herb when you're looking to modulate sleep. Now, if you take it in the day, that doesn't mean that you're going to go to sleep in the day because the beauty of adaptogens is that it regulates with what your system is doing at that time and also the time of day. So if you take the herb when you're about to go to sleep, it's going to help and encourage a restful sleep. If you take it in the day and you need it for energy and endurance, it will modulate, again, because it's regulating your, homo your hormonal axis, it'll regulate to ensure you have the endurance uh, throughout the day. So it's really about when you take it and timing when it comes to adaptogens of all types, particularly ashwagandha. Again, it can be taken as a tincture, a powdered herb in capsules, or what's known as a decoction, which is essentially boiling of the roots at home if you want to take it as a, as a drink and sweeten it, it's cute. And again, it's a, it's a yang tonic. In Chinese medicine, it's considered a, a, a yang tonic, again, helping to bring down that energy and regulate that energy. And the, the yang aspect of it makes it a superior herb for men. So any of you out there, any of you male listeners, get you some ashwagandha. It helps with a lot of different things. When I get to herbs around love and sexuality, it'll come up again too for that purpose. But outside of that, um, it is a very superior herb for men due to its ability to regulate that masculine yang energy um, and for women as well. However, the effects are, are can be uh, much more, I would say expressive <laughs> when it comes to men as opposed to women, but women, it is a fine herb for you to take as well. The next herb that I'll talk about when we look at calming and long-term sustainability is good old holy basil. I love holy basil. This, I would say, is more of a yin-type uh, herbal energy. So this is, uh, if, you, if you're looking at kind of which herb represents more masculine or feminine attributes as, a, as it is spoken about in traditional Ayurvedic medicine or Chinese medicine, holy basil is kind of the feminine, um, um, kind of the feminine side of the calming and herbal energy that we're talking about. So you got your ashwagandha for more of that yang energy, that more masculine energy, and holy basil for that yin energy or that... Um, that feminine energy and that yin energy. So the leaves of, of holy basil, leaves are the most commonly used, support a healthy response to stress by nourishing the mind and elevating the spirit. It is a calming mood lifter. So when you are looking to foster feelings of overall well-being, feelings of calm, feelings of it's gonna be all right, feelings of optimism, feelings of, of groundedness and stability in your emotions and just getting them back together, right? 
when you are looking for that part of your anxiety support, holy basil is an excellent herb to use. It is one of uh, the cornerstone herbs of Ayurvedic medicine. It is one of the holy herbs of Hinduism. Um, it is an herb that, that has very um, heightened spiritual connotations as well as medicinal connotations. It is equally like ashwagandha, warming and calming. And it is an herb that can be taken throughout the day. So it's not uh, restricted by, uh, again, morning or night. It is an herb that can be taken throughout the day. And in terms of preferred method, it does come in a tincture. Uh, there are many brands uh, like Herb Farm or Gaia Herbs that sell it as, as a tincture and capsules, but um, it is beautifully done as a tea and just as potent and just as powerful as a tea as it would be in a capsule or a tincture. And that's something uh, to note too. Um, some teas, you all, some herbs, a tea is fine. A cup of chamomile tea will work just as well, if not better, than a chamomile tincture, even though a tincture is technically stronger in concentration. Sometimes you don't need that much. Um, so teas actually allow us to regulate our dosage in a, in a way for us to see exactly um, the potency that we need as opposed to a capsule or a tincture. And for holy basil, a nice cup of holy basil tea throughout the day will really help to soothe the spirit and calm the mind. So next up, we have your energizing or stimulating adaptogens. So unlike ashwagandha and holy basil, the next two herbs I'll talk about are the ones that elevate. So if you are feeling too grounded and too weighed down, Asian ginseng um, and rhodiola, which we're going to talk about, lift you and raise you up. And the reason why I, I talk, I like this particular group is when I'm speaking to individuals who talk about um, they're suffering with depression, um, a lot of the symptoms that I hear are this feeling of being weighted, this feeling of not, um, uh, this lack of confidence, this lack of assurance, this lack of motivation, right? So um, for those of you who are um, astrology uh, buffs and, and you're really into astrology, think about this as like a one huge Mars retrograde. One where an individual is, is kind of stalled or halted and their ability to move forward or to move past a state of melancholy. And so when I think about that, those in herbs, uh, those herbal adaptogens in the energizing and stimulating category come to mind. And the two that come to mind are Asian ginseng and rhodiola. So let's kick it off with Asian ginseng. There are so many different types of ginsengs. There are many herbs called ginseng that are actually not, they're actually false ginsengs. These, um, uh, or this particular type is true, what we would consider true ginseng, right? It may be sourced out of Korea. You might see Korean ginseng, um, but Asian ginseng is, is typically what it will uh, say on um, a particular bottle of, for a tincture or of a tea. And if you're looking for the, the scientific name, it's Panax ginseng. So P-A-N-A-X ginseng. That's the strain you are looking for. It's really important to know that. Again, this is an adaptogenic herb, so the idea that it regulates the entire system is pretty much guaranteed, doing it primarily through regulating that hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. 
However, unlike the previous herbs, Asian ginseng works in a stimulating kind of way. So it is a upper as opposed to being a calming kind of um, um, sedentary force. It is an upper, right? So this herb has a profound effect on boosting someone's mood, feelings of confidence, boosting optimism, outlook, and energy, which is why it's an herb that tends to be associated with athletes and athletic um, um, performance. It's also associated with increased brain activity. It has a profound effect on increasing memory and attention, and of course, lengthening mental and physical endurance, right? So it it buffs you up and it gives, um, it's kind of an herbal resilient upper in that way. It is, um, it's been known, some, some people say that it helps them if they take ginseng before an exam, it works kind of like ginkgo biloba. It helps to increase their concentration and their focus. So you see like higher test scores, um, easing uh, parts of anxiety again through elevating the mood. But really it's about getting that person um, who is having a hard time lifting up out of their feelings of sadness, giving them that boost to get up and go. Um, Asian ginseng can come out of China, can come out of Korea. It is a warming and again, energetic herb. So it's going to have your, your, um, it's going to give you kind of that booster shot you need, like, um, that you need throughout the day to keep going. It can be taken throughout the day. I like to, um, if I'm utilizing Asian ginseng in a therapeutic formula, I always recommend taking it at the start of the day, the earlier the better. Um, that is when our hormones are kind of really resetting. And also, if you want that sustained energy and you want it to kind of work throughout the day, you better kick it off with some Asian ginseng. The way in which um, folks can take it, it can be taken as a tincture. Right? Those are more concentrated forms, so the dosage is lower on a tincture. It's also taken as a powdered form or a capsule. Sometimes you may even, even be able to get some powdered herb that you can add to a smoothie. Um, there are teas that do have ginseng in them, and, I, and they work just as awesome. Again, the fancy powders in the capsules, really modern, um, but a tea works just as well. However, if you wanna take something a little bit on the go, um, Asian ginseng actually works in a variety of forms in a really, really powerful way. Because of its potency and because of its ability to stimulate, um, if you're if you're a coffee drinker, um, you may wanna start off with a smaller dosage just to see how it impacts because coffee is an herb too, and it is also a nervine stimulant. So when we think about Putting those two together, just be mindful, start off with a little bit of ginseng, see how it happens, and then build upon it. And it actually may happen that you don't really want your cup of coffee because you have the energy that you need just by using this plant, which would be great, right? Especially if you are a coffee abuser, like some of us are, um, because coffee is delicious. And outside of uh, our Asian ginseng, we have rhodiola. So rhodiola is one of those herbs that I talked about in terms of how it grows matters. And so 
the rhodiola or rhodiola rosea, right? That is its full term. It's also known as the Arctic rose because it grows at high altitudes of the Northern hemisphere. So it's an herb that grows throughout, um, throughout Europe. It's found um, heavily abundant in Siberia. It's found across the Northern parts of France. Um, it, is, it grows at the highest and is the most powerful in these high altitudes, right? And um, it was used for thousands of years as a remedy to uh, first and foremost to prepare many warriors for battle. So think about that. Um, it has been found as many um, ancient texts as, as a supportive herb for those going into battle or for those going on long journeys to prevent individuals from fatigue, to support them um, mentally and physically in their endurance. It has also been used as a, as a remedy for high altitude uh, sickness. So think about this herb for those of you that like to go uh, into high altitudes for skiing or if you live in, a, in high altitude territory, um, think about having some rhodiola on hand. It increases and improves energy and stamina, right? Also similar to Asian ginseng, it is a stimulant. So it helps to lift you up, lift the mood up, lift the optimism up. The whole idea of you got this, you can do it, you have it, you're supported, you're taken care of, the universe has your back. Those kinds of energies, if you had to put them in an herb form, in a plant form, rhodiola uh, is similar to ginseng in that way, right? Again, it grows across the northern altitudes of, um, of Europe. It is also warming, so it's uh, it grows in a cold condition and helps individuals sustain themselves in a cold condition by its warming and energetic. So think about like increasing metabolism, increasing the ability to go, um, pumping the desire, increasing motivation, being a part of that plant structure. In terms of when to take it, I would advocate for taking it uh, during the day. And you can take, you know, herbs throughout the day, but I wouldn't advise taking stimulants at night. If you want to take a, a supportive herb, um, go back to the ones uh, that we talked about earlier, holy basil, ashwagandha in the evening. Um, when it comes to ginseng, rhodiola, um, other energizing supportive herbs, even shijan ruberia that I'll talk about in another episode, those herbs I would advocate for taking at the start of the day because they're all about getting it up and getting it moving, and that's when we need it the most. In terms of the preferred method, rhodiola seen it in a tincture i like a good capsule uh it's rare that there is a rhodiola tea a lot of the times it is incorporated into a full blend um not necessarily a tea by itself uh, if we're talking thousands and thousands of years ago many of these plants were actually just consumed by chewing on the barks right um, ashwagandha is normally um, sourced as a root holy basil as a leaf ginseng as a root uh, and roliola as a root plant stem uh, combo any com any compartments right and so thinking about the best ways to take them is also thinking about the how they're sourced so uh, roliola in a powdered capsule in a tinctured liquid capsule or even in a tincture would be great again at the start of the day So my darlings, let's recap. It's the summertime, it's hot, it's sexy, it's sultry, but not for everyone. For a good portion of us, it is a hard time 
Um, the sun is shining its light on areas that we may not be the most comfortable with, that we may not feel the most grounded in. And that can result in areas of anxiety, depression. Um, again, for those of us that live in major cities, we are very much used to the increase in violence and violent crimes, right? And if you think about how the summertime impacts the um, internal emotions and how every single beer commercial or beach commercial doesn't resonate that well with many folks, um, you can see a correlation there. However, the earth provides because the summertime has been around longer than many of us. So uh, the idea that we have herbs to help us and support us through um, which branch of stress response we're trying to tackle um, is something that is very much of a blessing. So when we think about stress, we're thinking about it as an imbalance. If something is imbalanced in our stress response, right? Stress is natural. Overactive or underactive stress is not. And that can result in anxiety, which is that heightened level of stress response or depression, which is that lower level grounded energy of a stress response. When those two things are happening constantly and chronically, that's when we tend to run into some issues. And that's where herbal allies can be of the best support. When looking at trying to calm your energy and ground yourself during moments of anxiety or for long-term anxiety sufferers, we're looking at herbs like ashwagandha, holy basil, to help us not only drive our moods upward, but also take our energy and balance it out so we achieve a state of balance and homeostasis in our bodies. When we look at suffering from the signs and, and the symptoms of depression, we're thinking about ways to build our energy back up, to get us back in the game, to place us in a, a state of optimism, uh, to actually, for that sun to actually shine and for it to mean something great. And we're looking at herbs that are more energizing and stimulating in nature. And that would include herbs like Asian ginseng, uh, rhodiola, and also for honorable mention, Shizan Raberi, all that I would advocate uh, taking at the start of your day. So you see those sustained effects throughout. Lastly, my darlings, when it comes to managing these areas of concern, you always want to consult your primary care physician. Get your physicals, talk to your doctors, get an understanding of what is happening from a medical point of view as you work in, in this 360 approach of wellness. Allow herbs to be your ally, but un by understanding where you are in your mental health and your mental state and what you need from the plant world to best support you and help you alleviate those concerns. So talk to your doctors, talk to licensed and certified Ayurvedic specialists, um, traditional Chinese medicine specialists, um, and ensure that you're getting a full-on approach to how these herbs can be best utilized and even how these dosages can work for you. For some of them, I recommended small first, but maybe you need a little bit more. And that is something a trained uh, specialist in any of these medical, um, in any of these traditional medicine fields, particularly those with concentrations in herbology, herbology or herbalism can be of the most support. As always, my darlings, I'm very, very happy and excited to be speaking to you. And I'm hoping that this information helps you on your individual journeys towards healing and well-being. Always remember, be patient with the universe, and the universe will be patient with you. Till next time, bye-bye.